This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. At Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here. Now we're in the Steve Spurrier Podcast Studio. It's always a thrill to come here. And uh, this is our Dance Alive National Ballet Thursday. Uh, We really are supporters of the arts. Uh, The Ward Scott Files has a mother, had a mother who was a dancer. And uh, really, I learned a lot about athletics and art from her. As you know, some of you may have watched her play the piano when she was over 105 on Facebook Live. So uh, quite a remarkable mother I had. And it taught me a lot about not just dancing, but also discipline and passion and music and a lot of things that really enrich our lives and make us well-rounded people. So I believe the arts are the center of any community. It doesn't matter where you are. Our guest today is from Brazil, and we once had a guest here from Brazil, Andy Valadon, who actually danced in the Amazon rainforest at a small town there. I don't know if our guest remembers that or knows that story, but I'm um, really always been surprised about that because even in the center of a kind of remote part of Brazil, uh, the culture there wanted culture and flew in the dancers to have a ballet. I've always remembered that story. I think it's really remarkable. So on Dance Alive National Ballet today, I'm joined by Beatrice Beauvois, but she goes by Bia. And am I got that right? Yes, it's right. Boy, I'm amazing (laughs) that I got that right. She is from Brazil, uh, but she dances with, of course, Dance Alive National Ballet and teaches at Pofal Studio to young people who are learning the discipline and the art. I think she's a fascinating person just because uh, she is who she is, and she's overcome some adversity. These people are athletes. They do get injured. So during the uh, half hour we have with her, uh, I'd like for her to tell you all about first herself and then what she enjoys about dancing and then, of course, teaching it. And, of course, the difficulty it is that uh, to stay in shape and not get hurt and recover and go on and all the things. So I've really been looking forward to talking to Bia. She's always been a charming person on Dance Alive National Ballet roster. So it's the first time I've interviewed her, and it's um, a pleasure to have you here, Bia. Really, um, if people could see how really charming and beautiful you are in person, I don't know if it comes through on our screen, but this is really a dazzling young lady. So we're fortunate to have her in our community. So Bia, what's up with you? It's so gracious of you to join us today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. So, yeah, I'm from Brazil. I'm from Rio, the state of Rio. So it's Cabo Frio, the name of my town. It's a beach town. It's very beautiful. Beach town. A beach town, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I miss, by the way. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm here in Dancing Life for six years. Um, that's, yeah, my ex- that's my sixth um, season. So, yeah, I came first in 2016. I'm very glad to be here. I can learn a lot with um, all the people 
and um, I, I'm, I really enjoy to live in Gainesville too. It's a, it's a very nice town. I really enjoy to be here. Um, of course, I have uh, some co-works that's from Brazil too. So at first, when I came, was good because I, I have no English at that time. <laughs> no English. I was trying my best to communicate. And they speak and, Portuguese, by the way. Yeah, we, <laughs> we speak Portuguese, not Spanish, Portuguese. Not Spanish, but Portuguese. <laughs> Brazil, yes. it's Portuguese, yeah. Um, but, and I had, I had to learn everything. So it's, I grew a lot, actually. I, um, I learned a new language, new culture, um, experience like with dancers, uh, like Andy, Carla, all these dancers here. We have dancers from Japan, from Russia, and we had from United States, of course. So it's it's a lot to learn here, and I'm very glad to be here. And also, I teach with Fofa Studios, little kids. I've always been good. Like I I go well with kids. I love kids, and they I think they love me too. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? What they want to love? <laughs> yeah. So I, I teach five classes there. Um, I teach the baby classes. So the first, very first year of the dance, I'm with them. So three, four years old, um, and then I, I teach intermission one, intermission two, and intermission three. So I start with the kids three years old, and I go into like nine years old, ten, and um, that's great. That's something that um, make me grow a lot too, because, you know, teach, it's already something special for kids. In the very beginning, it's a lot, I, I feel that's a lot of responsibility, because you work with kids, it's... Um, it's their bodies too, you know. You need to tell me about. You just intrigued me a lot. Um, a three-year-old student yeah. to dance. I don't know if I could. How, how was I when I learned to walk? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Provided I did. Uh, <laughs> one or two. Uh, so automatically, what kind of parents do these kids have? This is very interesting. Who understand and appreciate right away that this little toddler just got up on two legs. And now we're going to put this little guy or girl in a class and yeah. formal training. What's that? Yeah, I mean, it's um, usually they come to the ballet class even before they go to school, preschool. Um, I had kids with diapers already. It's super. <laughs> You've taught kids with diapers? I had one. was only one. Um, but it's like, it's, I think it might be something very cute for the parents. Um, and it is very cute for me, too, but I take it very serious because they need to learn something. Uh, people usually think that, oh, like, okay, I'll put my kid on ballet with three, four years old, and they will play around. But it's not playing around. We really need to, to teach something. And usually it is like musicality, um, discipline, for sure. Discipline and musicality? Yeah, and coordination. Coordin a lot of oh, yeah, coordination. coordination. So it's a very good thing. I was thinking, um, talking with a friend a couple of days ago and um, watching some Zumba classes at the gym, we see that some people doesn't have any coordination. Oh, and I was thinking, And you I, get older, you lose it. Yeah, it, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then um, I was thinking, like, maybe if this person was... I, I, I made a post on my Instagram about this, too. Uh, it's kind of polemic, but it's true. If this person was taking ballet class or any dance class when was young, on a childhood, it would be better today. You know, like, my mother. My mother. It would be my like, mother started very good. out a dancer and kept that coordination into adulthood. Yeah. So yeah. it's about you don't adulthood. need. 
Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to be a professional. You don't need to take ballet to be a professional dancer. But it's a very good um, thing, you know, like it's it's make you better for, you know, like coordination musicality when you grow up. So it's very good. For the parents, I feel that at first when they are so young, they feel kind of like, oh, my God, I want to watch. But at some point we need to like, I always... Um, let the door open on the first class. Ah, and let the parents peek. Uh, a little bit. I don't. Little li bit. I don't. The last. Little, I like this. Yeah. Cause um, just to them feel comfortable, you know. But it's not good because the kids get very distracted with. So we cannot let this go happen. But um, I mean, until today, it's working very well. The kids. Uh, it's hard also to keep the kids focus on what you're oh, doing. Oh, three years old. Yeah. Yeah. And like, can you imagine like a class with five, a class with ten oh, during the you had fall? Ten three year olds? When, during the fall, I had ten, four. <laughs> so it's hard, but it's good. And what the percentage Andy, boys and girls? Uh, it usually is like one boy for you that say one class. Boy? I have for the summer now that we just start last week. I have one boy, and during the fall was one boy as well for the pre ballet one. And uh, for the old intermission one, I had three boys. How old are they? Seven. Six, seven. 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 Well, that's very... How old were you when you started doing this? Ten. Ten? Ten years old. I didn't start like most of the people start with, like, baby class. I say, it's interesting, actually. Um, it wasn't my parents that put me on ballet. Your parents didn't do it? Mm-mm. It was a friend of my mom. My mom used to usually work with a doctor in Brazil. And then, you know, this kind of question that we always do for kids, like, what are you going to be when you grow up? And um, just, I said, I don't know what, where it come from, but I said, a ballerina. <laughs> and she said, really? And I said, yeah, I want to be a ballerina. I was like nine on that. Yeah, it was about nine, ten. And um, she said, my, my uh, son's a dancer. It's a very interesting... That started it then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And she said... She talked to my mom and she said, Hey, she needs to dance. I don't have any family with, like... No, with contact with dance. Nothing. None Nobody. of your family mm -mm. has anything to do with dance. Mm -mm, Just nothing. you. Just me. And out of the blue, I said that I want to be a ballerina. Do you and have brothers? I have a brother. Older. Brother. Older. Yeah. No dancing. No. He was like playing guitar, <laughs> soccer, you know, swimming. Yeah. He was very good swimming, but nothing with dance. Nothing with um, most clothes of art was guitar, and he quit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then she was talking to my mom, and my mom, no, all that time we don't have much money to do that. My mom said, no, it's not, uh, I mean, I cannot pay for it. We cannot pay for it. She said, no, I'll find something. And then she found, uh, like, a project in Brazil that I could take for free. And then I started there, but I only take the, took ballet there for, like, five months. And then I got a scholarship in another school in town, a very good one. It was where I graduated. And then, um, yeah, since there, I never stopped. So that, never. how old were you when you got that scholarship? Eleven. So by eleven... People had recognized you enough to subsidize you and help you do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I got like this. I, I, of course, my parents always support me. They was always, it was just completely off the word that 
we live. You know, like we don't have any, we didn't have any contact with any dancer, uh, and we didn't have money on Did that time. Did you know any of the, probably not any of the other Brazilian dancers that are here now when they were in Brazil? I knew it, Andy and Carla. Carla. You knew Andy and Carla? Yeah. And Philippe. Uh, funny story about Andy, and it Philippe. is, and Philippe. Because fantastic. I, be, yeah. Bef because before I danced in Dance Alive, I was dancing on their old company in Brazil, in Belo Horizonte. So, yeah, I knew them from there. But actually, Andy, he came as a guest on my school when I was like 12. Really? I have a picture with him. Really? Like a kid, like very shy. I was like, and he was with me. He was dancing on my school as a guest. If, like my parents until today, they think that's the most cool thing and special. It is a special thing. Because can you imagine like you have a famous dance. He's great. He's big in Brazil too. Andy? And then Andy. Oh, he's one of the best dancers in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, he is. And then he came to my school as a guest when I was young, when I was a kid. And now he's my co-worker and also my director. Unbelievable. That's great. And Andy, he, it, well, how shall I say? He's in advancing years as a dancer. And he still acts as though he's a yeah, kid. Yeah, he's something else. He is something else. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't ever seen Andy Valadon dance, you need to. Treat yourself to that because of the roles. He's versatile. He's brave. He's yeah. the courage of the dancers too. You know, to yeah. fly through the air like that and no, nah, he's something else. To do the definitely. things they do. Uh, so you really got going as a youngster, and uh, you remembered seeing Andy in your class when you were a youngster. And then to turn out, you actually are in the same company now that he is, and uh, that's yeah. that's a very that's a very interesting story which I didn't know anything about until you just told me. <laughs> so, um, and you mentioned um, uh, uh, dancers from all over the world. Of course, Dance Alive National Ballet was, you know, has dancers from yeah. Ukraine, has dancers from Russia. Uh, I think Yulia Pivaskaya was from Moscow. Um, uh, so it's really an international culture. Oh. And what I enjoy about Dance Alive National Ballet is this country is very young artistically in terms of dance. Uh, the dancers from elsewhere in the world, I don't know how it is in where you were, but in Europe anyway, have danced in buildings that are five times older than any building we've got. You know, the building maybe four or 500 years old that they, ballet is danced in Europe. Uh -huh. And we're only, as a country, a couple hundred, 300 years old. We don't have any buildings that old to dance. Of course, you can go to New York, and still it's not old, you know. So... I'm a believer in uh, how a well-rounded community has, of course, uh, the arts. And uh, uh, I, I like the fact that, for me, tell me what you think of this, Leah. Uh, ballet is where athletics and art intersect. Yeah. It is. A, uh, we are compared to a high, um, how to say, high quality. You would be a high, high draft choice in the NFL. We're uh, sitting in this. Flats. We're sitting in Steve Spurrier's restaurant here. You would be a high draft choice uh, <laughs> by, you know, because of your uh, ability. And the male dancers are as fast and as quick and as talented as the wide receivers on these NFL teams. They're quite remarkable in uh, their uh, flexibility and strength and all that. Yeah. Um, we're talking with Bill Bovoss, Bo 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 and I, I, you know, I, Dolly, you know, I'm, I'm uh, 
tongue-tied, really, on trying to say, I apologize. I apologize. See, my no, name only right. has one. I have a name that has two syllables, okay? <laughs> Ward's one syllable. Scott's another syllable. <laughs> I can say that. You have one, be a three, five syllables. Yeah. yeah you have five yeah. syllables <laughs> in your name. So uh, the remarkable thing about her is that she was, of course, uh, young and learned and got enthusiastic about dance and now teaches dance to young ones at Polefall Studio, which is the studio where the Dance Alive National Ballet dancers train, and that's been in this community, uh, Judy Skinner and Kim Tuttle, for a long, long time, 50, 60 years. And the uh, studio has use all day long, I know, because you post the, your exercises throughout the day. How much time, and this is, a, I've, I've thought about this lately, um, I'm going to ask you what you think about this. You know, I'm to the age where I'm looking for things I never did before, which were flexibility training. I never did enough flexibility mm -hmm. training. I did a lot of strength training. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of speed training for track and things like that. But I never really got into yoga, which my wife's always saying I need to do. It's good. And which I'm now convinced I need to do. And I've been looking on, uh, you know, YouTube places for training examples. And I, I don't know what you think about this, but um, you guys are perfect to show people like me how to stretch the way you guys stretch. I always think you should be making some films of that, you know, and actually, you know, become branding them. Because what do you do? You're going to leave here. What's going to happen when you leave here? You go teach your class? Yeah, I actually I do a lot of stuff. So I live here. I, I, I work with Dance Alive. I teach at Pofo, and I'm also social media with Dance Alive, too. Let's talk about that. That's right. You're doing the social media. This is a new uh, <laughs> element of Dance Alive National Ballet that we have promoted in the last couple of years, and that is actually using all the social platforms to our advantage to let you know uh, about Dance Alive and keep you up on uh, who the people are that are the dancers and what the events are. So I'm glad you segued over that. Uh, what, what are you doing with, so, with, with marketing? So since um, I use my social media to promote myself and also make up others, so um, since we start to, Kim start to look for a marketing director and to promote our, you know, like today it's social media, it's everything. If you're not there, you're not promoting yourself. Um, that's the time. And um, she asked me to be part of the team and work with social media since it's something that I really do for myself, to myself. So I start to do, I post the videos, the photos that you see at Instagram and Facebook. Usually it's me. Most of the time it's me. So I get with Laura, the new director of marketing, and we talk about the plans to promote the season, uh, how we're going to promote... Um, the shows that it's coming to sell tickets and how we do to um, get get people around Gainesville and you know get the word out yeah get the word out to promote our company and see um, and call them to come to our shows to get them into how we work. Um, it's yeah, basically that. I'm a big. That's one of the reasons we have Dance Alive National Ballet Thursday here because it's um, I think it's so important to use um, whatever contribution my voice can make to amplifying your voice and letting people know that you are here and how talented. You all could dance anywhere in the world. 
Uh, it really, but you choose here because yeah. you like it here. And, I love it here. <laughs> yeah, and and it's uh, you got a Brazilian uh, uh, community here. You said uh, a big one. Which, a big one. Well, it's interesting. A lot of people would probably never know about that. And um, the 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 community has produced where you came from has produced quite a number of dancers for Dance Alive. How many Brazilian dance? I don't want to put you on the spot. I think of at least. Four, right? More. Um, well, Felipe, uh, Carla. Felipe, Carla, Andy, me, Nathan, Thales, Luana. Seven. Next season, we're going to have all of them plus three more. So, ten. That's great. That's great. Ten Brazilians. And you didn't necessarily <laughs> know each other back home, or you did? I knew the new girl that's coming. I knew her from competitions in Brazil, but I'm not... Very close. I I knew her from competitions, just to see her around there. The boys I really don't know. Luana, I got to meet her here before. We were very close today, but I didn't know her before too. Let me just um, check and see if there's any questions coming up. Uh, um, good mornings and all, and a lot of people watching us. So, um, we were talking with uh, Mia Bovoas. I think I got it. Right. Bovoas, yes. Oh, gee, there you go. I got it. Anyway, <laughs> you got it. And. Um, uh, her, what her, her her life has been like before coming here, and what it's like now, and what the rest of her day will be like. She will go out and teach little children, of course, as young as diapered children, <laughs> which is really remarkable uh, to dance or the beginnings of dance. And it's like everything else. It's not that those young people will become dancers because the yeah. standard for dancing is extremely tough. When you're looking at this young lady or some of these other, this is an elite human being. I'm, I'm going to tell you that right now because of what she's able to do. Uh, but the discipline that the children will get, which you alluded to, and of the community that they'll be introduced to, I don't think they ever forget that. I don't think so uh, either. Um, I think it's dance make you... I don't know if the parents, of course some, yes, but I don't know I don't know if all the parents know how much they're giving to the kids when they put the kids to take a ballet class or any dance class cuz it's much more than that. I feel that people that take one day took I post about just what I I, I said about the the Zumba class when you don't have coordination. Um and all the comments on my my video on my Instagram People that took ballet when they were young, they said, yeah, definitely, I'm a totally different person today. They have more concentrate. They have a different view of everything. Even if you decide to quit ballet because it's not your thing, that's not a problem. And you want to be like a doctor or something else. It definitely changed your mindset for a lot of things. And simple thing. Things also as like a coordination or a musicality or the way that you see everything, I think, really change you, you know, like in terms of art, too. You want going to see a movie and you want going to see in the same way if you didn't have the ex this experience before, definitely. And the remarkable thing about Kim Tuttle, who is um, a director and a coach and um, the talent scout for who comes here with uh, dances with it. She has the amazing ability, which I think all great coaches have, to take to, to recognize talent when she sees it. 
And yeah. uh, sometimes it's just in the way a person walks or carries him or herself. She can tell that yeah. right away. No, she know. has a special eye. She, yeah, she, a special mm-hmm. eye. And you know, all the great coaches, we have a great coach here in town who, who coaches the track team. And the people say, when asked, what is it about that coach? He has the ability to recognize the talent and then to bring out the best in the talent that the talent didn't even know it had. You know, it was capable of doing more than it thought it could do. Yeah. And those are, those are the great, those are the great, that's very difficult to find uh, in this universe of ours, you know. It's, uh, and, you know, when you find it, people tend to come to it. I think um, word of mouth in Brazil is probably about this place, is probably pretty strong, isn't it? Yeah. Everybody. I mean, yeah, especially with social media. That's why people really keep sending material to come here because they see that we have they send a lot films of films themselves. Yeah, yeah, try to get into the company yeah, for yeah. sure. That's how Kim get the people there because they're all the time sending. Yeah, since I'm uh, with the social media, all the time directs up at DMs about like, how oh, hey, can I send my material? Do you have any audition coming? We don't do open audition. But when she needs, she go through her email and she, she will have some material there for sure that she can check and see whoever fits better on the time that we need some dancers. So definitely, yeah, Dance Alive, it's, a, it's something that dancers in Brazil talk a lot because they can see that we are here, we are well here, we have great experience. And talking about a small company to have much more opportunities and then you have, it's, it's great. It's a great thing. I, I'm very glad to be here, and I'm happy that I have all the opportunities I have worked with Kim and Judy. It's something that, yeah, we, yeah it's well, something. We're always going to support you. Anytime special. you want to come back and talk about marketing or anything you need to talk about, we're going to make uh, time for you because uh, you are the marketing uh, person for the, for the show, so we need to network with you and make sure we maximize what you're doing as much as we can. Um, this is um, one of my favorite shows that we do. It's um, different from a lot of the things we normally do. As you know, on the Word Scott Files, we're uh, heavily engaged in what's going on in the political world and all that. But this is, um, uh, I tell you this, the other thing that I, I think I've learned from interviewing you all is that you love America. Yeah. Yeah, you really do. And uh, come here and see things that Americans don't see about themselves. You know, they, I've been told by so many, don't they understand what they got and don't they understand what's going on? And boy, people from the other countries see it right away. They pick up on it. So um, they, you all enjoy being here. And yeah. um, some of the people that I've interviewed, and Andy has, I know, have become citizens. I don't know if you've done that or... Not yet, but that's one of my dreams. I'm looking for my green card. I'm trying to work on that. Um, I need to do more like be more in podcasts if you guys want to call me more i'm glad <laughs> sure. to be here again <laughs> they like to see that to give you a green card you can come um, once in a while if i need you yeah okay i'll be here <laughs> magazines yeah, newspaper good. Good. i've been looking for a apply. co-host i just found one what do you think guys? i'm here what do you think guys <laughs> um what we got for time production i'm a little we're about 28 after, so we have the uh, good fortune of having Bia with us for about another two minutes. 
And then she has to go off with her busy schedule. But we found a co-host, see? <laughs> uh, we need her here in the studio. We got her. She says she'll come. And, and there's a lot of things we actually can do together, Mia, to help you and to help the uh, Dance Alive organization. So yeah. we're going to take you up on that if you... Um, if you uh, I'm up are to serious it. about wanting to be involved, we'll get you. <laughs> we'll get you involved. Believe me. So um, uh, it's been a delight here. Uh, you need to check out the web page for Dance Alive National Ballet, uh, Dance Alive National Ballet org, and it has interest uh, uh, information about all the dancers, the events that are coming up, our huge fundraiser, which has been growing and growing and growing. Which is how I got involved. They called me up a few years back and said, "Would you like to be with?" Dancing with the Stars, and I didn't know how they found me or what it was, but Carla was my partner, and uh, of course Greta Batista was with us then, and and we had a, we had a good time. And I don't think you were with us. I was. Were I you think, there? Were you there? Yeah, because I remember you dancing with Greta, and uh, I remember you dancing with Carla. I danced with Carla. Yeah. Yeah. Dance with Carla. Yeah, I remember. I I think it was my first year, maybe. Was it? Was it? Yeah. My second, first year. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was my introduction to the dance world. Mm -hmm. Of course, liked everybody right away. And um, we've had Carla on the show. Of course, we've had Andy and, and a lot of the others. So, um, But this is a double role we have here with Bia. She's also a dancer, so, well, triple really, a dancer, a teacher, and a marketing director. So this is all a lot of things that uh, we need to help her with. And um, it's a pleasure to be associated with her. She's If, you had, if you're here in the studio, you could... Sense how charming she is and energetic, and uh, we're, we're fortunate to meet her. So, anything you want to conclude with before we take our bottom of the hour? Or you're the marketing um, a person. You you do what you want to do right now to let you, you know if you want to talk about your products, and that's fine. I have no problem with that either. So no. you do you do market. I, I do social media, actually. We have Laura, that's our direct, yeah. uh, marketing director. Do you direction. market a product of your own, don't you? I, I, I usually, um, I'm kind of influencer on my Instagram, so people watch my YouTube channel, my Instagram. You make up on the tube. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's basically that. Like, I teach people how to do a makeup. I show like tutorials, and I also... Um, Share with them my lifestyle as a dancer in the United States, Brazilian dance in the United States. That's something. Um, and I like to give the message to them, like, to don't give up on their dreams, because I know how hard it is to be a dancer. And I know how hard it is to be a dancer in Brazil. Uh, I love my country. I miss a lot, but um, I want to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> we want you to stay here, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's my... I, I feel that my mission at least on my social media, it should show them that it's not impossible. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter how hard or, you know, like, if it needs to happen, it will happen with you. Just don't give up and keep working hard. That's my, my point with. And I also like to talk with the people that doesn't know anything about ballet and show them that our professional, our career, it's important for people. It's important for life. So that's my point with social media and everything. And, of course, teach little kids is uh, <laughs> something else. That's something that I, that I really enjoy to do. And, of course, my, my principal <laughs> professional in the middle of all this, it is to dance. Well, it we is. appreciate you coming by. I think we're at the bottom of the hour, and uh, our time is up with uh, Bia. And uh, we wish her well the rest of the day, and we'll certainly see her again. And. Um, keep in mind what we're uh, doing with Dance Alive National Ballet. We'll keep you up to date. 
on the events that are coming up and um, certainly hope that you uh, have gained a little more appreciation for how much beauty and talent and energy we have here in the arts in our community. So uh, uh, production, take it away. We'll take our break at the bottom of the hour and be right back in just a little bit on the Ward Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Uh, warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Ken Cornell, known as the thin skinned water boy. Ken Cornell, known as Minnie Mike. Ken Cornell wears elevator shoes. Ken Cornell, he just wants to be like. There was a rep named Corin Brown 
She had the biggest mouth around. She thought she was the smartest rep in heels. Well, she started up a non-profit and somehow made money off it and got involved in quite some dirty deals. She's in the jailhouse now. She's in the jailhouse now. That's not the way a charity runs. She won't be having fun. She's in the jailhouse now. I lady Stammer, don't put me in the slammer. I only did what all the others do. I thought my donors were trickable, but the judge said that's despicable. And then away the key he threw. She's in the jailhouse now. She's in the jailhouse now. They locked the cell on poor Corinne. This one she'll never win. She's in the jailhouse now. I lady All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in the uh, Steve Spurrier podcast studio here at the Steve Spurrier Grill. And it's the first time I've actually gone uh, into the half hour um, alone, flying alone, as we say. And uh, it should be every bit as seamless as it would be if I were in the Warthog Command Center inside the Melon Law Studio. So we appreciate you watching the Ward Scott Files and sharing what we have to talk about. We seriously support the arts and we seriously hope you uh, support us supporting the arts because they reach across all the cultures and humanize us and show us what we have in common and if there's one thing that's hum humbling uh, that is to try to touch your toes as you get older <laughs> uh, these, these these dancers have the ability to go way beyond that and uh, I'd like to learn as much as I can from them about the art of flexibility and um, staying as youthful and uh, vibrant as long as possible, as I think we all probably would. Uh, I heard that we played um, the Corrine Brown song here at the break, and a lot of you have noticed that um, one Andrew Gillum has now been picked up uh, by the feds and on an indictment for a lot of, um, you know, things that weren't, uh, well, lawful, let's put it that way. Um, tomorrow, we are planning right now to have a full treatment of that in greater detail than I'm able to share with you right now. I will create a drum roll for you, though, that tomorrow we will plan on telling you about our part in this, which has been going on for quite some time, initially back to March 2017. I think you 
uh, probably realize, if you've been watching the Words God Files, that we have a very good research team, which is made up of members from the community, most of whom are anonymous, and give us information that uh, we follow up uh, as leads. Uh, you would be quite surprised if you ever t were to learn where some of these people are communicating with us from. Uh, and we keep that quiet as, a, as the news source for you. We don't necessarily have to reveal our sources and usually don't. But at the same time, we do check out all the sources to make sure that we're not giving you information that's uh, not quite right. Now, yesterday I did misspeak, and I have to say that as what everybody says who's a politician, um, I'll steal that phrase from them. I had my time sequence out of order about Gillum and his expose, if you will, in the South Florida motel. That occurred after he uh, lost the uh, gubernatorial race. However, it, is a, it was a display of behavior that we knew about before the gubernatorial race and that we were instrumental in sort of suggesting to the proper places that they needed to take a look at this. That never came out before the race, which he lost, but it came out afterwards. And I apologize, I apologize, I apologize. Some of my really good fact checkers, who are you of the research team, contacted me and said, Ward, that occurred after he had lost the race. And I said, oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and I'll come back and correct it, which I'm doing now. But nevertheless, the behavior was going on before the race, uh, as far as we could tell. So um, that enters into only obliquely uh, anything that has to do with this current indictment, which uh, we were pretty sure would come down sooner or later. But these things have their own way of working through the system, and we'll see where it goes from here. Of course, the standard denials are being offered. Uh, well, no, they must have the wrong, you know, everything. You hear everything, wrong guy, this, that, one, another. But I can tell you that not unlike uh, the Florida uh, 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 FDLE did when we gave them the tips about the uh, voter um, beep in the jail. Uh, they took eight months. If I, um, you know, memory serves me right, if I need to be fact checked and corrected, do so. But it took quite a while. I want to say eight months for the FDLE to take a look at the leads we gave them and to validate them. And of course, you know what their conclusion was. Uh, was that our leads were absolutely right. And furthermore, out of their participation in investigating these leads, they wrote a, a report that really was scathing of the supervisor of elections for running a slipshod uh, election process. Now, since then, there has been uh, uh, kicking the ball back and forth between the supervisor of elections and the state attorney's office uh, about, you know, who's to blame for that. And, of course, caught in the middle is the hapless uh, victim, in this case, which are the felons who signed up to vote, who, who, who shouldn't have signed up. But after all, somebody stuck a clipboard under their nose, so they signed up. And that somebody came to their 
residence, if you will, the county jail. They didn't go to the supervisor. So there's all that kind of story to follow. And now they actually are in the court system, and they're beginning to take their various positions about how they're going to uh, uh, react to this. And we're watching that. We'll probably work a little bit more of that into the story tomorrow about how uh, the uh, fellows who were in the jail uh, are reacting to their uh, being accused of uh, doing this all on their own and therefore doing the time and all the above. So there's um, my point about all this is um, it is a, a significant amount of research that we do thanks to you, the research team who gives us leads. Sometimes we come up on them on our own, but um, invariably it's a, it's a combination of evaluation by us as to what to do with them, which ones to stress, which ones not to stress, which ones matter, because uh, we don't have a lot of resources. I have to emphasize that again, and I want to thank uh, we just a couple of the donors, especially one who really helps us uh, keep this going. The, um, um, and I, I, I'll just let you determine or guess who that might be. But, you know, we are in the process now of upgrading our programs to help us do what we do maybe a little faster, a little more broadly and a little more uh, expediently. Uh, so we're convinced that uh, um, there's much more uh, out there that we haven't come across yet because, after all, we're just a couple of people doing this. And um, it's, it's, um, it, it is what it is. It has its own limitations. We don't have a big staff. Uh, I, I hesitate to think what we could do if we had a big, a big staff and had a big budget. Um, and, you know, we would, we would get to the a bottom of a lot of things that, because we're fearless. I mean, I, you know, we're fearless. We're going to throw it out there. You, you heard me yesterday talking about what you can face coming up here in the next few months about this controversy about uh, the government model for the county, uh, whether it should be single-member districts or not. I have no idea how that will turn out. Um, I'm just interested in allowing the people to decide, which it's clear that the county commission doesn't want to do. They don't want to let the people decide. And the question becomes up, why not? What are you afraid of? What are you hiding? I mean, it might come out that the people will resoundingly support the system as it is. Um, you know, and it, nowhere in the bill, as I said yesterday, and by the way, production did a great job of, of producing just that first half hour and putting it out on Vimeo as a link. If you'd like to have that half hour uh, and you're interested in that issue, uh, email me at wardscottfiles uh, uh, at gmail.com, and I will send the link to you, and you can then distribute the link if you want to and, and spread the uh, story, at least as we covered it yesterday, about the controversy over the government model for Alachua County. Um, I'm pretty sure that most people don't know how their government model works, the one that they've got now. And so how are they going to be able to determine whether they want something different when they don't know what they have. So it's kind of a niche that we've fallen into, and that is uh, helping people understand what they have now and then what the alternative might be. And, from, and we'll cover it a little bit more as we get closer uh, to the election. So it's um, another point of, of uh, 
the Ward Scott Files to uh, part of the whole analogy here is that I'm the professor and and uh, this is the classroom and you're the students. So, and always, as I said to the students, it's uh, your information to do with what you want. I never went around my class and asked I'm a, who was a Republican, who was a Democrat, who was this. It didn't matter. I mean, I, I could care less. I never asked if they were LGBT. I didn't care. What mattered was, are you a student? Are you willing to come here and be here on time, uh, put in the effort, and, uh, and do the work to do what you need, you have the opportunity to do? And that, that was basically it. I mean, anything else mattered not. And, and, but that's, that's why I tried to maintain the integrity of the classroom. So um, you may have heard that spiel before, uh, and, and uh, maybe, uh, you know, I'm just kind of repeating it for you. <clears throat> One of the things which is very much uh, kind of a ruse, I think, right now is um, the uh, hypocrisy, as I've been covering for you, of the so-called federal gas tax relief that Biden now comes along and says he's going to offer the people. You have to be very careful about this because what the left hand giveth, the right hand taketh away. Taketh away, and the the offering of a gas tax, federal gas tax relief for uh, three months is not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're not providing leases and opportunities to increase the production of of the uh, of, of, of the fuel for the industrial society. And what you're really looking at is, and you have to go back to when did the industrial society begin? The industrial society really begins, it's basically what the Civil War is about, although it's never, it's never uh, framed that way. It's about whether we were going to be uh, an agrarian culture or an industrial culture. And the South position was, well, why can't we have an agrarian section of the country and an industrial section of the country, and the industrial section would be the north with the uh, uh, lakes and the, and the and harbors, and, and, and then the west and the south would be the agrarian. But no, that wasn't good enough for the industrial. They wanted it all to be industrial, and it resulted in a lot of tension, uh, and that tension eventually kind of um, broke loose and became known uh, in history books, since it History books are written by the winners as uh, the Civil War, but actually from the Southerner, it was known as the War Against Yankee Aggression. Or another one was, um, um, basically that's, that's what it was known as, the War Against Yankee Aggression. Because it's sort of, as I've said, analogous to what uh, Russia has done to Ukraine. Ukraine. Russia marched into Ukraine because it wanted Ukraine's territory and assets and, and it, it would, but Ukraine did not go into Russia. So the South did not go into the North. The North came into the South. And it started homogenizing the whole country and turning the whole country into a fossil fuel-based industrial society. Now, there were portions of the culture that resisted that. Of course, the indigenous people resisted it because they didn't have the same relationship with the earth that the uh, Europeans did, which now remember we're talking about Northern Europeans versus Southern Europeans. Uh, the Southern Europeans were quite different from the Northern Europeans in that the Southern Europeans were more similar to the indigenous people 
in their attitude toward the land and how they would use the land to sustain their economy than the northern Europe, uh, uh, Europeans were, who wanted the cities and the industrial society and the fossil fuel-based uh, uh, energy. So now, um, and, and there's such a thing as the antebellum South, which is probably the time the South made a crucial mistake, and that is stop growing uh, food along in that era for uh, crops for food and started growing it for uh, the industrial society. And that was basically the raw material for the northern mills, and that was cotton for the uh, northern manufacturers of the products made out of the cotton. And you have to remember that cotton was then what oil is today in terms of people wanting to buy uh, a sort of similar to now what we have to buying tennis shoes made in China and all that. Um, so, so conveniently right now we're supporting the uh, productions of goods that we distribute and market um, that are manufactured in other countries because we always want cheap labor in that process. So that was basically how it came down. And now we're to the other end of that rope, if you will, um, and the industrial society fueled by fossil fuel is all over the place. Um, and I've got just a few of things that I've been researching here. Uh, here's one called The Costly Contradictions of the Crusade for Green Energy. Um, now we have, and this is written by Thomas Dusterberg and published a while back in the journal, um, from which some of the good thinking is going on right now. Dusterberg is a senior fellow at the, Hust at the Hudson Institute. He was once the Secretary of Commerce. Um, he says that the uh, uh, all-out government assault on domestic fossil fuel industry, of course, is being done to further the green agenda. And what Biden has really done, now this is the left hand a minute ago, and I, I, I advised you that there was a left hand and a right hand. The left hand giveth, that is taking away, uh, giving you a holiday on gas tax, but the right hand of Biden is curtailing new leases for drilling, line development, and expanding the areas that uh, uh, that are off limits for production. So you have to—it's very easy to understand. Relieving the gas tax doesn't do anything uh, for increasing the production of the fuel. In fact, it uh, makes you use it up quicker. Because if you take away the tax, then you're going to buy more of the fuel. But meanwhile, there's not more of the fuel being produced. And um, so the Securities and Exchange Commission has even discouraged uh, new financing of fossil fuel products. Now, you know, the new automobile standards uh, and decreased mandates for ethanol blending, uh, uh, the pressure to phase out coal-fired electricity production, uh, thwart new mining projects, is all contributing to the higher prices. So the higher prices of the gas, and that's not in the gas tax. It's in the higher prices to produce the product. And uh, this is being done to force a transition into the so-called green energy uh, economy. But the problem with the green energy economy is it cannot support the standard of living that we enjoy that the industrial society has supported based on the fossil fuel, which we have plenty of. 
So one of the real issues is obvious. You're going to lower the standard of living in the country, which has enjoyed the highest standard of living anywhere in the world. And what's going to happen? Because the rest of the world is not going to curtail its use of fossil fuel because they're on the way up. They are developing their standard of living. And so they're not going to, they're not going to be able to develop their standard of living, raise their, raise their standards and on, on wind and on, on, uh, on uh, something other than fossil fuel energy. So we're going, now this, is, this is not something that I originated. I heard it and thought about it and concluded it when I was researching this as the professor of research projects at the college. We have led the world's standard of living up. We are the leaders. We are the wealthiest country in the world. Our poverty is not poverty. Uh, our needs are not real needs. There's some, a lot of truth to that. I mean, you know, we're not in the dire straits that my mother's generation was in in the Depression. We've got a, a, but, you know, we're printing money, we're off the gold standard, all that. So we led the world up once the Civil War was won by the Northern industrialists and the whole country was turned to industrialism. Then now we're going to lead the world down. And this is nothing new. This is nothing new. We've been studying this as professors and as object thinkers, objective thinkers for a long time. We will lead the world down and the rest of the world will go up. And you've already heard it anecdotally on the streets. Golly, and you, you know, I love the country, but the country is going to cease to be there. Where will I go? Well, the only place you can go if you want to catch that train at the right station, if you will, if you borrow my analogy, is to a country that's on the way up, not on the way down. And so where are the countries that are on the way up? Well, it's tough to find them. It is it's called the developing world. And we need to probably study that a little on this show sometime. I think we're about out of time now. But it is a really interesting problem. So there are those who say, I don't, I'm not ready for green energy yet, and I don't want us to do away with fossil fuel energy because it gives us our standard of living. And I am one who is enjoying the standard of living. And people are coming here enjoying our standard of living. And green energy can't support our standard of living. So what's going on here? What is really going on? Well, it's kind of like a shell game. You're being told that the pea's under one shell, but it's really over here under another. So when Biden says he's going to take away the gas tax, it's another hollow statement. From all the research I've done and people other than I who do really a lot of research of this issue. Thanks for tuning in to the Word Scott Files today, and thanks for especially listening for our first half hour with our wonderful guest, and we'll be back tomorrow and give you a little fuller treatment of the Andrew Gillum situation. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.